You are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. These are the words of Jesus Christ in Mark 12, 24 to the Sadducees, who say that there is no resurrection. Jesus says the reason you are mistaken in relation to the question you ask is because you don't understand the scriptures or the power of God. What's so hypocritical is that it says in verse 18 that some of the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. And yet they still come to him and ask him this question in relation to marriage after death. The Pharisee was no different in relation to understanding the scriptures or the power of God. And the truth is, we too might find ourselves in the exact same position as the Sadducee and the Pharisee when it comes to truly understanding the spiritual word of God and the power of God. Just because we say we believe in Jesus and who he is, doesn't mean we have and are continuing to have a life-giving and life-changing reality through a true spiritual understanding of God's spiritual word or God's power. We can be exactly like the Sadducee, Pharisee, and disciples who only had their own version of the scriptures through their own intellectual understanding of what is written. Our version of the living scriptures does not produce the transformative, eternal life in us or through us. Only his version of his truth makes us free and continues to make us free. John 8, 31-32 If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. One will know if they are in God's version of himself, because his version of himself continues to make us free and produces in us an eternal life which we live out, free of everything that is darkness and bringing us into everything which is light. This is the evidence that we are continuing in his living spiritual word and that we are in fact are his disciples. Let's start with Mark 12, 35 to 40, as this is a very exposing and brilliant example of the point we are making. Mark 12, 35 to 40. And Jesus began to say, as he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself said in the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So in what sense is he his son? And the large crowd enjoyed listening to him. In his teaching, he was saying, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquet tables, who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Jesus is warning everyone to be aware of the teaching of the religious spirit which thinks and believes it knows the living scriptures or spiritual word of God that builds us, when all it knows and speaks is its own version of the scriptures. He is saying these people love all the religious ceremony, the traditions and the garbs. They love the places and positions of honor and all the titles and the chief seats in their religious institution and system. And what they lack in spades is the true understanding of God's living word and God's divine power to walk this life out. All they know and teach is self and empire building in his name. 
All they know how to do is build the religious institution and system through their own strengths and abilities, and they accomplish this through teaching their version of God's word, through not understanding the scriptures or the power of God to people who have no spiritual discernment and no knowledge themselves of God's version of his own living scriptures. Philippians 1, 9 to 11, John 7, 24. This is literally the blind leading the blind, and it is just as prevalent today as it was when Jesus spoke these words. Jesus addresses this issue also in Matthew 16. They take his name and his words and use them in vain. This is what blasphemy really is. Matthew 16, 6. Jesus said, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisee and Sadducees. Leaven is the teaching. Then they understood in verse 12 that he did not say to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Beware and watch out for the one or ones who don't understand the scriptures or the power of God, but think and believe they do, and are extremely confident and assured in what they say and speak, but do don't have the corresponding internal posture of Christ, and they can't demonstrate the divine wisdom and God's children are to vindicate his wisdom, Matthew eleven nineteen and Luke seven thirty five. Scriptures that also relate to this are 2 Peter 3, 14 to 18, Colossians 2, 23, Acts 15, verse 5 and 24, and 1 Timothy 1, 6 to 7. Let's mention one of these. 1 Timothy 1, 6 to 7 says, For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. Let's go back to Mark 12, 35 to 37 and ask questions about the passage. Jesus asks a provoking question when he says, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? Why do the scribes and the religious Jewish leaders think and believe this is to be the case? The answer is simple, because it was written. Psalm 132, 11. The Lord has sworn to David a truth from which he will not turn back. Of the fruit of your body, I will sit upon your throne. Matthew 1.1 The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Luke 1.32 He will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. John 1, 45, Luke 1, 27, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendant of David. Luke 3, 23, when he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Romans 1, 3, concerning his son who was born of the descendant of David, according to the flesh. The last verse, Romans 1, 3, out of all these verses is the key and relates heavily to verse 36, where we see Jesus say, David himself said, in the Holy Spirit. The key being, in the Holy Spirit, David said, the Lord said to my Lord. Romans 1.3 says, Jesus was a descendant of David according to the flesh. When we look in the natural, David was Jesus' father. 
but in the spirit, he wasn't. In the natural, Alan Simner was my father, but in the spirit, the kingdom of God, God is my father, my eternal father and life source. Right here is where we see one's true ability to know and understand the scriptures and the power of God. The scribes, Sadducees, Pharisees, and even Jesus' disciples approached the spiritual law, Romans 7.14, and the holy scriptures, Romans 1 verse 2, the living prophetic scriptures, 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21, the living oracles, Acts 7.38, the words of Jesus, which are spirit and life, John 6.63, all from the flesh, the natural, the wisdom of the world. The reason the scribes said Jesus was the son of David and David said he was Lord was because David was in the spirit and the scribes, Sadducees, disciples were in the flesh, living from the flesh, the natural, because they didn't understand the scriptures nor the power of God. When we approach the holy scriptures, the spiritual words, the spoken and written word of God from the physical the flesh, the natural, the earth, the carnal, the mind of man, we will never, and I mean never, understand God, his plan and purposes. We won't know who we are and how we are to live. And that is an absolute crime and tragedy, as this is what we were born for. There will literally be an identity crisis in the body of Christ. We are going to unpack a whole lot of other passages which show us that unless we are of the Spirit, and hear, see, and live from the Spirit, we will be just like these religious people, only we are covered by His blood, justified, and they weren't. It is fully possible to be leaders and followers who build and are part of the religious institution and system and never even know it, thinking we are living in and from Christ. We must be awakened out of this false counterfeit position and enter into the true position in Christ. Otherwise, we will remain in this mistaken position, which is a greatly mistaken position. The question comes down to who or which came first. Was the word, the spirit first, or were the scriptures first? In the beginning was the what? In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was God. In the beginning was the spirit. The scriptures came a lot later on in the unfolding of God's purposes and plans. This is why it must be the Spirit that reveals and brings the understanding of the Scriptures, not our minds. Otherwise, we will also be mistaken, not understanding the Scriptures or the power of God. Let's have a look at Luke 24, as we can see a beautiful reality taking place and one we must be in and live from. Luke 24 is about two men on the road to Emmaus, where they encounter the risen Christ, and an incredible reality unfolds as Jesus explains to them about himself through the scriptures. We see him break the bread, which opens the eyes of these men to see who he really is, and then appears to the other 11 disciples and opens their minds to understand the scriptures, which spoke of the reality of Christ himself. The Christ, the Spirit, is the one unveiling it all, not man. Jesus preached and testified to the reality of himself. He is the word of God, and we too are to preach Jesus, not the written words. Paul said in Galatians 1.16 that he preached him. 
Paul preached the word of God, Jesus, because this is who he received. Paul didn't receive the scriptures or the message. He received the person, the word of God, the messenger, Jesus himself through direct revelation. This is an entirely different dimension to the preaching and receiving of the scriptures or the message. Let's look at Luke 24, 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Also look at John 1, 18. It's the spirit, Jesus God, who is the one who explains the scriptures, the message. If we attempt to try to understand the scriptures, the message, without the Holy Spirit revealing them in us, we will be just like the religious leaders, scribes, teachers, and not understand the scriptures, the message, and define them through our own understanding. We, like them, will come up with our own version of God. And when the real turns up, we will find ourselves rejecting and denying him, the truth, the person who makes us free. We will also say things like, Jesus was the son of David, not the son of God. Or where is the bucket when you hear about water, just like the woman in John 4? This is why the Spirit must be our teacher. We can have no other teacher but the Spirit himself. We must be in and living from the prophetic promise of Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, which we also find in the writings of Hebrews 8, 7 to 13, and 1 John 2, 25 to 27. This is the reality for every follower of Jesus, and yet I fear for many that this reality is far from being realized. Most look to man to teach them and to feed them, but if the man is not being directly taught by the Spirit himself, then it all becomes flesh teaching flesh, and this is a dead dimension, not a life-transforming one. It's the exact same position as not understanding the Scriptures or the power of God but being absolutely convinced you do, just like the religious people. This is a fatal mistake that many are making today in his body. The lack of true spiritual eternal fruit in God's followers is the evidence of the lack of this true abiding position. The problem is, just like it was when Jesus walked this earth, is that the religious system makes it their mission to keep people like this, because this keeps the balance of power firmly in the hands of the religious spirit, which builds the religious institutional system, which many are found in. We call it the church, but it is far from that. It is the organization, the club, the institutional model, which binds up the spirit, despising things of the spirit, all built by the hands of man, using the name of Jesus to accomplish man's will. God still loves his people in this state, and those leading it, but he doesn't love what it is or the way of it. Let's get back to Luke 24, because we see the same thing that happened in Luke 24, 27, happening in Luke 24, 44 to 45. Luke 24, 44, 45. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. 
The reason the Sadducees, Pharisees, and disciples didn't understand the scriptures nor the power of God, because they were trying to understand through self the spirit of darkness. Who was it that opened their minds? It wasn't the disciples. It wasn't a scribe or a teacher of the Pharisees or Sadducees. It was Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, the word of God, the spirit was and is the only one who brings the understanding of the living scriptures, the message. If this is not happening in our lives, then nothing is happening in relation to us being conformed into the image from the inside out. There is no eternal word being built and formed on the inside of us. We are void of any fruit of his spirit. We are void of his beatitudes, which leaves us void of any inner eternal life. In this position, we are completely unable to keep his two commandments, which are the commandments which define our marriage covenant with God. If we are not in the eternal process of the spirit unveiling and bringing to light what is concealed in the unseen one, then we have no way, no ability to keep our covenant with God and the entire plan and purpose of the father, which is the marriage covenant between the son and his church, his possession, his people called Israel, is not realized or becoming our known reality. Israel are a people from Jew or Gentile descent, a people of the spirit who are a people of covenantal promises, the primary one being the marriage covenant. To not understand, know the word of God, Jesus, and his words of spirit and life is to be exactly like the disciples in Luke 8, 31 to 34. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But the disciples understood none of these things, and the meaning of the statement was hidden from them, and they did not comprehend the things that were said. The disciples were blinded and deafened to the eternal realm which Jesus spoke from. To not comprehend the things that were said is to be completely unaware of the spiritual kingdom Jesus brought with him. So just like the disciples, one is living for and demonstrating a completely different life, while all the more probably thinking they are not. Many followers who pride themselves on being able to answer the questions think by answering the questions they are in understanding and also are in the life that sits behind the answer. Both of these assumptions may be completely false. Let's take a look at Mark 12, 32 to 34, where we see the scribe dialoguing with Jesus about what the greatest commandment are. Verse 34 is fascinating. Verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. It's interesting what follows on as the second part of verse 34 says, after that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. There was an awareness of a dimension that people were ultimately being made aware of, which is eternal and outside of man's intelligence to grasp. How can one answer the question intelligently and still be missing something or coming short of the reality one believes and thinks they know 
and have an understanding of. This can only occur in the spiritual kingdom. In the world, if one answers correctly, one is perceived of having and knowing and having this understanding of what is in fact they have been asked. There is a massive difference between intellectual intelligence, emotional intelligence, and spiritual intelligence. Only when we enter into the reality of everything in God do we have a spiritual intelligence or a spiritual knowledge. The scribe here had an intellectual intelligence but didn't have a spiritual intelligence or knowledge, hence Jesus saying, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, you can give the correct or right answer, but you cannot live the correct or right way. In essence, anyone can do this, even a non-follower. You are greatly mistaken, not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. This position is no different to the lawyer in Luke 10, 25-29, who asked about how one inherits eternal life. Jesus says, what is written in the law? The man says, you are to love the Lord your God with all you are, or you, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. The lawyer's answer or response in verse 29 is his undoing and the evidence of answering intelligently or intellectual intelligence, but not having an interest in wanting to live out and demonstrate this reality of love because you can't, even if you try. It says, wishing to justify himself, he said, who is my neighbor? The key word here is wishing to justify himself. Why do we look to justify ourselves out of the reality of the truth? It's because we get confronted with the reality we can't do or keep. And it's one we don't have a reference point for. And man isn't interested in what he can't do or keep, even if it is God's way. Because of this, he looks to justify himself out of what he's being confronted by or with to maintain his own sense of control and for what he is passionate and has a purpose for. This happens all the time in the lives of God's followers. The crazy thing is, life eternal, life now, is discovered in the very thing we justify ourselves out of. The fact that we can't keep the loving God and loving our neighbor and our own source of life is to lead us to repentance, asking God to do what only God can do deep within our innermost being so we can live out everything the Father is and has called us to. I hope we too will not justify ourselves out of the reality that we don't have the life for, but they would submit our lives, turn to him and find the life that we need in the Son. The core essence of an eternal life is love. If we keep the commandment of love, then we'll be in eternal life. Do this and you will live. Live a life of love. John 12, 50, I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Matthew 19, 16 to 17 says, how do I obtain eternal life? To which Jesus replies, keep the commandments. To not have the living knowledge of the greatest commandment is to not understand the scriptures or the power of God. How can one live in perfect alignment to the Father and his purposes if one has no understanding of the living, prophetic, spiritual scriptures which lead us and guide us to his primary objective? 
If one has no experience and the reality of his power, which enables and empowers us to live out this primary objective, to love God with all we are, loving people as he does, then we are not living in alignment to God. If we are not living from God's primary commandment, then we are living from his secondary, maybe his third or fourth, or not even living for him at all. This means we are not living in alignment to God and the full or whole purpose of his design. This means we are out of context. And if we are out of context, then we will never be made complete. All we have is all of our forms of godliness. This is the massive challenge for every follower and church family today to actually be in and live from God's first place position because only then will we be able to live a life of love and eternal life. I'm going to read Luke 10, 25, 29 in its fullest form. And the lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Here's the problem and the challenge. One cannot do this in and from their own strength. So it is impossible for one to live a life of love. This is an impossible, unattainable command that we are given to live out if we are still living from our own source of strength called self. How can one love God with their own soul when one's soul, mind, will, and emotions aren't saved by his power? When man's will still lives and man's mind still is and man's emotions still scream, how can man love God when man still loves man himself from his own soul? This is the very reason the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and yes, even Jesus' own disciples didn't understand the scriptures or the power of God. They were greatly mistaken. How can one understand the scriptures of God's power when one is not of the Spirit? as the scriptures are prophetic in nature and not a matter of one's own interpretation. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke. Wow! No wonder these three categories of people groups don't understand the scriptures and the power of God. They had no reference or awareness or experience of the Holy Spirit. So how could they understand the scriptures and the power of God? When Jesus and others of the Spirit spoke from the spiritual word of God, the major problem is that they thought and believed they did and that Jesus was wrong. They believed they were disciples of Moses because of the understanding of the scriptures, but they weren't. Here are some other examples of Jesus and sons of the Spirit speaking from the Spirit. Acts 1 verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. 1 Peter 1.12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. 
things into which angels long to look. There's also 1 Thessalonians 2.13 and 1 Corinthians 2.12-13. The scriptures point us towards the person Christ. Jesus said in John 5.39-40 that the scriptures testify about him. The scriptures testify about Jesus. And then the power of God brings us into the living, transformative, life-changing reality of Jesus in us and then in him, which the scriptures speak of. The scriptures or the words of Jesus are spirit and life. They are prophetic in nature. They produce and build the spiritual, eternal life of Christ within us. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 Contained within Jesus is every treasure of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 1.3 Hence, to not understand the scriptures nor the power of God means we will not know God, his perfect single purpose, who we are in him and the life we are called for now and in the age to come. We will live as infants in Christ, never possessing all of our own inheritance. To understand the scriptures, one must be able to hear the word of God. The written scriptures are actually the spoken eternal gospel the word of God, which is spirit, which builds and prepares the church. This word comes from the unseen realm, from the unseen seen one. So what we see in front of us isn't made out of things which are visible. Hebrews 11, 3. This is why it is imperative we are able to hear the word of God and through the spirit's power, have the Holy Spirit bring the understanding to what we have heard and received through revelation. We are not capable of coming into this life that is concealed in the scriptures any other way than this. Any other way than this is a false way, and we will have a false gospel, which produces a false life, forms of godliness with no power. So how can one live by faith if one cannot hear the word of God? It's simple. One can't. One then has to create their own version of what faith is. What most people call faith isn't faith at all because it's blind and deaf. It's more like wishful thinking. This is why Peter talks about a kind of faith and Paul talks about the same spirit of faith. The scriptures declare this dimension of life. It's all linked as one dimension. Faith of a spiritual kind comes from hearing, which is a spiritual kind, of a specific word called the word of Christ, which is a spiritual kind. As one spiritually hears the spiritual word, one sees the spiritual dimension and lives now from and towards it. This is what faith is. This is to live by faith in Jesus Christ and be able to now keep his commandments. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The scriptures confirm this truth by stating what faith is written down. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. All that the Sadducees, Pharisees and disciples had was their version of the spoken written scriptures. When Jesus turned up, we see this and we see them saying, we are disciples of Moses. And yet Jesus said, if you were of Moses, you would be of me. They did not understand the scriptures nor the power of God, even though they were convinced they did. The Apostle Paul gives us insight into this false counterfeit position of the flesh in Philippians 3, 
4 to 9. He says, I put no confidence in the flesh. And then he lists the fleshy aspects of his old life that he could still boast in or put confidence in, but they mean nothing. What are these fleshly false aspects? Number one, circumcised on the eighth day physically. Number two, of the nation of Israel physically, of the tribe of Benjamin physically, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness in the law found blameless, all of flesh. These are all of Paul's forms of godliness. He says, now I count them all as loss in view of the knowing of Jesus Christ, my Lord. And he suffered the loss of all things and counted them all but rubbish so that he may gain more of Christ and be found in Christ. The prerequisite for gaining Christ and being found in him is to consider all of our forms of godliness and our lives rubbish. Unless we have lost our lives for his sake, the lives we are born with, it's all vain imagination and futile. We are living in a fantasy, believing it's real. Is it any wonder why Jesus told the religious leaders that they were greatly mistaken, not understanding the scriptures or the power of God, when we look at what they demonstrated? No, it's not. And it is no different for us as well. The life we demonstrate will determine whether we will actually be in the scriptures and the power of God. This is the evidence because truth is self-evident. Is it any wonder that Jesus taught we must be aware of the teaching of Herod and the Pharisees, the teaching of the world or the wisdom of the world and the teaching of the religious institution, which is also of the world because it's of flesh, is of the same kind. The context might be different, but the outcome is exactly the same. No life. And yet both of these two categories of learning systems teach others and lead others into death, thinking they are leading them into life. It's all an illusion. 1 Timothy 6, 20-21 O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter, and the arguments that are opposed is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and has gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you.